Can music heal our bodies and our minds? Well, I'm convinced it can. And tonight we're going to dive into this topic and speak with music therapist and singer-songwriter Mary Gimbo. I'm a brain tumor survivor, oh, and wow. um, when I was going through the recovery, God used music to help heal me, and mm -hmm. it was heavier, harder music that he used to help heal me. I am completely healed. The oh. doctors cannot explain it. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. yes, Jesus healed me. Life is crazy for a lot of people, oh, and yeah. you know, <laughs> people can come out and just enjoy good music. It's for all ages. And it's, it's just a really nice, peaceful setting, isn't it? It's very peaceful. Uh -huh. It feels like an oasis. Yeah. It really does. And I think this weekend could be a great getaway for people. Get Revelation Rock Fest. Thank you so much for being here with us, Ben. That's right. You can get your tickets for Get Revelation Rockfest at lithoscry.com. That's L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y.com. And hey, welcome to all of our viewers. And before we bring Mary on, we have a very important announcement to make. Last night, Raven's Heart, the Lithos Cry channel on YouTube, hit 1,000 subscribers. Thank you for subscribing and uh, bringing us to this milestone. And if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and hit that little bell and subscribe and get the notifications because you never know what's going to happen on Raven's Heart. So now we're going to be able to monetize and get the traffic chopper that we've always wanted and need for this live stream. Mary, thank you for joining us this evening. Oh, let me bring your audio on here. There we go. As I said, you never know what's going to happen. Mary, thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure. As you can see, this is a, a good place for a music therapist uh, to be and a singer-songwriter. This is a lot about music, and my story has to do with uh, God using music to heal me. And yes, I am completely 100% healed from the brain tumor and the side effects. So I cannot blame anything that goes wrong on this live stream due to the brain tumor back in 2009. I wish I, wish I could. Mary, you're a music therapist. First of all, what does a music therapist do? And what kind of training do you have to go through to become a music therapist? Um, the American Music Therapy Association has a really long definition for what music therapy is. Um, my, in a nutshell, definition is using music to achieve non-musical goals. Hmm. Um, the technical definition uses, you know, scientific application of music modalities and interventions for, um, but basically it's using music to achieve non-musical goals. 
And so if the goal of a client is emotional expression in a positive way, then we're using music as a medium to do that. If the goal of a client is to learn certain educational concepts and be able to apply them in an educational setting, then we're using music as the medium to do that. Um, if the, the goal for say someone with um, dementia is to uh, attend to stimulus that's here and now, or it is to reminisce about the, the past, then those are things that we do, but we're just using music as the medium to do it. So, so I don't know if that helps. It does. It actually kind of broadens things out a little bit because basically what you're saying is that music can be used to do a lot of things. It can be used to help people in, in a lot of ways. Um, and how do you get certified to do this? What kind of training do you have to have to, to do this? Because, you know, it's not just spinning the hits, right? <laughs> there's, there's actually something you have to do. It is not just playing music to calm people down. Um, it requires at least a four-year bachelor's degree from an accredited music therapy program. Um, but there are also master's and doctoral programs in music therapy now. So okay. it requires that four-year degree and a six-month internship after, after your studies are completed. So you have to go through education and training to be able to do this and to do it the right way. It's not just something where you wake up in the morning. It's like, Hey, I'm going to be a music therapist today and, and throw on some, some music for people, you know, and I know that there's probably some people out there that are um, like, and, and you hear, you've probably heard this. Well, you know, with music, it's just all emotion. It's just all uh, completely emotional. And what would you say to somebody who says that, um, you know, it's just emotion. What is the science behind this? And I, I see that somebody says, uh, Frankie says, I have no sound. Uh, if somebody could weigh in and let us know to make sure that the, the sound is going. Um, again, we, we are live. So if somebody could just comment or if Deb, who's down the hallway, could just stick in and give me a thumbs up, that would be great. So but back to that, what would you say to the person who says, hey, it's just emotion. What, what is the science behind this? Um, there is a huge research base that has gone into validating the efficacy of, of music therapy as an allied health profession. And so there are journals of music therapy and music therapy perspectives that are peer reviewed journals where uh, music therapists are conducting experiments um, and research projects all across the nation and around the world. There are music therapists around the world. Um, and then they submit those to peer reviewed. Uh, okay. Wow. Um, so, you know, we are made up of both there. body. Oh, you're, you're breaking up a little bit. Okay. Oh, there we go. We're back. We're back. Go ahead, Mary. And you were saying about, um, you were saying about the peer reviews. Right. They're peer-reviewed research journals and music therapy research that's available online and through monthly publications through our national music therapy associations. Okay. So this is, this is science. This, there's a science behind this. It's not just people reacting emotionally to, to what they hear. And I want to talk about more about the science of this in just a few moments. And Deb, thank you very much. Uh, 
they, we, our audio is working. Um, you know, we're made, we've got three parts. We've got a body, we've got a soul and we have a spirit. Which part of us, body, soul, or spirit, does music affect the most or does it affect all of them equally? I'm really curious about this. I believe it affects all of those parts equally. Um, it may vary from moment to moment, but you can probably attest to um, doing a workout and having your favorite music on while you're, while you're doing that to help push you um, to, to stimulate you, right. While, while you're exercising or putting on your favorite music that causes relaxation to help calm you down. Um, if you're feeling particularly stressed or anxious, um, you know, our soul, as the word says, it's our mind, our will and our emotions. And how many times have you heard a song that reminded you, it immediately takes you back to when you heard that song the first time, or yeah, I saw that band in concert, or I remember when my mom used to sing that song to me. Um, there are so many things that, that draw on, on that part of our being. And spiritually, um, music can cause us to be um, open to the spirit of God mm -hmm. and we can declare the, the word of God um, into the atmosphere and back to him, um, to a group of believers. Um, we can use music for stimulative or sedative, uh, you know, uh, opportunities just to, to help excite us or to help calm us down. So there <laughs> are ways. Yeah, we can employ music yeah. uh, to to affect all all the parts of who we are. So it affects both our our body, our soul, and our spirit. That's how powerful music is. It has a definite effect on everybody that listens to it. And this is really putting the science. We're putting tonight. We're putting the science behind what music does to people. And, and how it can be beneficial. We're really going to take a deep dive into this. However, we have to take a short commercial break. Um, we're talking about music therapy, but I am going to need a little bit of hot sauce therapy tonight. So uh, just we'll be right back in just a moment. Get Revelation Rockfest 2023 update. I love it. Look at that. Look at how we just changed the screen. And there is Katie from KTB Saucy. Katie, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing awesome. We're talking about one of my favorite topics tonight. We're talking about music and people have probably noticed I've got my chips here and I've got my hot sauce. Now you have a business called KTB Saucy. And the reason why we have you on is you're going to be at Get Revelation Rock Fest with your saucy sauce. Yes. <laughs> Super excited. Yes. What? Can, tell us a little bit about KD, KTB Saucy. So I started reviewing hot sauces online for about three years ago and small businesses all across the United States started sending me their small batch hot sauces to review for the channel. And uh, when we moved down here to the Somerville area, we had an opportunity to open a store at the Coastal Carolina Flea Market. And we took all the sauces that I loved the most out of all those reviews and put them in the store. And now we sell them online and in person. 
Wow. And where can people go online? No, I'm going to, you need to come to get Revelation Rockfest. Okay. If, if people want to come, we got the QR code down at the bottom of the screen. Take your wife's or your husband's, boyfriend's or girlfriend's phone and scan that while you're watching this because KTB Saucy is going to be there and you can come and taste their sauce. And I am actually going to taste some sauce online tonight. Now, that's why I've got the chips. And uh, let me just grab my sauce here. Okay. The first one that I have, and I've been smelling this since I opened, it, is called Death by Chocolate. And I love the pirate theme because one of my favorite bands is a pirate uh, metal band. <laughs> yes. And uh, here's the sauce. Can you tell us about the Death by Chocolate? So I was really kind to you. Don't ex There are tons of different types of sauces out in the world, and they range everywhere from mild to insanely hot. And what you've got right there, Death by Chocolate, is such a spectacular sauce. It's a SCOBY award winner. Uh, it's made with chocolate, but it's a mild version. So this one's all for flavor, less for heat. We do have things that can melt your face, but this one right here is just for you to enjoy. So I'm curious to know what you have to think about it. Yes, yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you, and I, I appreciate you going easy on me because I've got like another uh, 45 to 50 minutes of uh, live stream tonight. And I didn't wanna be laying on the floor screaming because Mary's giving us such a good breakdown on music therapy. Tonight. Okay, let me taste this here. Thinking about you, buddy. Oh, man. Oh, that is delicious. It's got bite, but it's not melting my face off. And the thing that I like about it, too, and this is what I like about hot sauces, especially this time of year in South Carolina, pollen season, it clears out my sinus. It makes me feel better. Um, sinuses and everything. Oh, yeah. That is awesome. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> yep yeah there's my coffee mug and i'm mm. eating hot sauce with black coffee all right now the next one that we've got is this is the um pine pineapple oasis tell us about this one so these guys are a small batch company out of north carolina this sauce is going to be a little bit warmer than the one that you just had uh, it's pineapple forward. It's got a sweet smokiness to it. And the fun thing to keep in mind is, again, there's so many different types of sauces out there. So many flavors you'd never even think of. So go for it. Let's see. All right. Let's try this one. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. When I start playing the music tonight, I'm just going to sit back and eat my chips with, with these sauces. This is just... That is amazing. I like the sweet flavor to it. You, you taste the pineapple. Right. It, it's a pineapple that kicks your tongue a little bit. I love it. So of those I love two, it. which do you think has a little bit more kick? I think the the one with my pirate friend on it. Um, th this one's got got the more kick to it right here. The death by chocolate. Yes. <laughs> and it gets hotter, baby. They make really hot sauces in the same flavor profile, just higher. Wow. Wow. You know, and what I'm really impressed with, with you, with this is that you developed KTB Saucy because you had dreams that you wanted to achieve. You wanted to travel the world. You wanted to do things. And this is your vehicle to do that. And you're living the dream that's inside of you. Thank you. It takes a daily prayer too. It wasn't all me. Not even close. <laughs> right. been a so blast and I love doing it. That is awesome. Katie, thank you so much for joining us. And hey, you're going to get to see Katie and KTB Saucy at Get Revelation Rock Fest. Get your tickets Saturday, May 13th 
at the Hanahan Amphitheater. Katie, thank you for joining us. And man, I love this sauce. <laughs> thank you. It's right. been great. Can't wait to see you right. again. Rock fest. Thank you, Katie. All right, let's bring Mary back on. Oh man, that is good hot sauce. This death by chocolate. Whoo, man, <laughs> I'm sweating. <laughs> well, welcome back. We've got Mary Gamboa with us. She is a music therapist and a singer songwriter. And yes, we're going to get into some of her music this evening as well. And we're talking about how music can be used to heal the body, the mind, and the spirit. You know. Our brain, Mary, is really kind of our central processing unit. That's kind of the way that I understand the brain. So everything that we process through our senses gets uh, processed through the brain. When we listen to music, what is going on inside of our brains? How is this all affecting the neurons, the synapses, and, and all that stuff? Um, I, I had to pull up a little information to do some study on this today. <laughs> It's pretty complex. <laughs> it really is. We take it for granted because our culture is so saturated with sound and, and music. We hear it in our vehicles, in the grocery store, wherever we go, we're, we're surrounded by music that we just take it for granted. Um, but in general, a sound wave, a frequency is emanated from an instrument or from a voice, right? That comes into our outer ear and through the ear canal into our inner ear, those vibrations send electrical signals um, carried to the brain by nerve cells or neurons and um, to the cochlear nerve, nerve system and to the brain cortex. Different parts of the brain engage to analyze things like pitch and rhythm, tone and loudness, as well as it affects our emotional centers. So music really affects all parts of the brain. Okay. Okay. And that kind of leads me to another question. What is it exactly about the music that brings about the healing or that affects the brain the most? Because there's so many different components of music. You know, when we say music, it's actually a combination of things. It's a combination of rhythm. It's a combination of melody. And you also have in a lot of music, you have the lyrics. What is it that, is there any one particular component that brings about healing or change in people, or is it all of them combined? I, I think it's all of that. Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is, it is so much of all of those things. Um, and, and it depends on what you're looking at as far as healing. How are you defining that? Is it, um, catharsis you know is it an ability to express your emotions that brings healing or is it um, the ability to interact with others in a socially appropriate way that is a measure of healing are we looking for a physical healing uh, are we looking for a decrease in pain sensitivity you know what how do you quantify or qualify healing so that's, um, that's a difficult thing, uh, but, you know, it can bring healing in, in lots of different ways. So um, I'd like to zero back for a second on something that you just brought up. And this is something that I've been curious about because this was kind of my journey through music healing me and Holy Spirit was my 
um, music therapist. I didn't have a licensed music therapist. And I started to notice this. Um, you know, for those that watch the program and, and have been at the beginning, I had a pituitary brain tumor that was removed in 2009. Okay. Um, I was losing my eyesight. Uh, my hormones were a total wreck. I had like the testosterone level of a 70 year old man. And I was, I was miserable. The pain was horrible. Now, of course, before you go into surgery, they say, Hey, you know, you're going to be out and about, you know, a week later and everything like that. Um, no a week later, I was, you know, still at the hospital. I had to go back. Um, I almost slipped into a coma during the recovery, my recovering. And I'm going to say it was an absolute hell. I mean, it was hell on earth, not just the pain, but there were certain body functions that I just did not have the ability to control. I was dehydrating all the time. I was so thirsty. I was drinking jugs of grape, um, cran grape juice, jugs of them, the gallon jugs by the, you know, just throwing them down. Cause I could not quench the, the thirst. But as I started to heal and started to do normal things, um, the pain was, I mean, it was excruciating. And in the pain process, I noticed that heavier, harder music actually took the pain away. It actually, not completely, but it was like taking a, um, a bunch of Tylenol and ibuprofen. It brought the pain levels down. And I remember, um, you know, being looked at when I was listening some to very heavy, hard music. You know, I'm not talking evil music. It was just heavier and harder. Uh, they were like, what are you doing? And I was like, this, and I said this, this makes me feel better. That's why I'm listening to it. Is there any particular type of music that alleviates the pain more than others? Or am I just like a freak show or something like that? <laughs> you know, where this just affected me in a certain way. And, you know, after just me personally, after going through an experience like that, I just could not deal with Justin Timberlake anymore or Justin Bieber or any of those guys. I was like, I just can't. It just was re not real. It's like, I need something real. But let's talk about the, the pain alleviation aspect. What was going on with me? I, I believe the research will support the fact that your brain will attend to the stronger stimulus. Okay. So if, if the music is stronger, then that's what your brain will focus on. Um, so perhaps that, that type of music is something that you enjoy already. And, and it was a strong enough stimulus for you to focus on that, which decreases your perception of pain. Oh, okay. okay. Now it had been Justin Timberlake that was playing through your, sorry, Justin, if you're watching <laughs> no. I mean, or, or a type of music that you did not enjoy. That was just like nails on a chalkboard for you. Right. That probably would have increased your irritation and your, um, your pain perception. Okay. But because it was something that helped to, to refocus your attention, I, I think that's why a lot of it was um, alleviating pain. I, I remember, I think it was when I was birthing my first child, I had, this was back in the day of CDs, you know, I had a CD uh, recorded of some slower music into some a little heavier beat, um, rhythmic music, and it got a little more um, rhythmic and energetic as you went through the CD, because if 
anybody who's had children knows, you know, those, um, those contractions come harder and heavier as you progress through labor and you want something stronger to attend to. So it's just parenthetically, there are music therapists that work in childbirth that work to alleviate pain. Um, there are music therapists that work in hospital settings with NICU, um, neonatal units. There are music therapists that work with substance abuse centers or um, grief counseling. There are music therapists that work with uh, mental health facilities and um, educational facilities. So there are music therapists that work in lots of different areas um, for different types of goals and objectives. Wow. I'm, I'm really excited. I've always wanted to have somebody on who has a background in music therapy because that's the whole reason why we're here. That's why we have a Raven's Heart. And all of this started with a book that I wrote back in 2018. And I'm this is not shameless self-promotion, but yeah, it's available on Amazon, how God used heavier, harder music to heal me. And not only to heal me, but hearing... You know, when we read in the book of Acts that he's going to pour his spirit out on all flesh in the last days, mm-hmm. and you hear artists that are not Christian artists and God ministering to me through the lyrics of those songs. And you know, during that time, I really wasn't seeking God. I was kind of going the opposite direction, but it all brought me right back to here. And, uh, you know, it's just fascinating how God uses that. And you, you yourself have worked with a very in- interesting population and helping to bring healing to them. Can you tell us a little bit about the music therapy that you've done? Most of my experience as a music therapist was in the mental health setting. Um, I worked at an inpatient psychiatric hospital in San Antonio, Texas for nine years. And so I worked with everything from adolescent clients through geriatric clients with a variety of goals and objectives that they were um, addressing. And I've also worked in school settings as a contract music therapist with um, children, children, and young adults who had developmental de- delays um, using music. So. Wow. So you've worked pretty much a, a wide spectrum of different, uh, different people. How can you tell that it's actually working? How, you know, what are some of the tangible results that you get when you're working with somebody to bring about a particular healing that they're looking for? What are some of the tangible results? Well, this is where the research base and the documentation comes in. Um, you mentioned earlier, you know, how can we tell it's working and how, um, what kind of research or science is there behind it? In general, when when you have a client that you're seeing for music therapy, an interdisciplinary team, um, treatment team often comes up with goals and objectives for a client to work on. This is what we want the client to look like when we feel like they're done or they're rehabilitated enough to discontinue music therapy services. So this is what we want them to look like. Now, what are our steps to getting there? You know, let's back up from there. Um, do we need them to be able to make eye contact with others? Do we need them to be able to sequence events in a schedule? Do we need them to, um, you know, like I said earlier, acquire some educational concepts, shapes, 
colors, numbers, identifying those things? Do we need them to be able to appropriately express their emotions without becoming violent? Uh, you know, those are all things that we would would develop specific goals and objectives. And then as a music therapist, you're, you're required to make progress notes, whether on a daily basis or on a weekly basis. This is, this is how many times the client did this during our session. Here were the music modalities that we use. Here are the interventions that we, that we employed. And this is how many times they met their goal and objective. So over a period of time, you're able to see, okay, they went from meeting at one time per session to being able to do that five times per session. Okay. Um, so then you start from the end and work to the beginning, just kind of like the way God does. He starts from the end of the matter and then works it all the way to the beginning. Uh, so you have those outcomes outlined and then you work to reach those outcomes through the therapy. Correct. Wow. Wow. What is it that makes people gravitate towards particular types of music? Um, use me for an example. Um, you know, even though I lean towards the heavier, uh, you know, I do enjoy, a, I, mean, I enjoy classical. I enjoy um, the type of music singer songwriter, like what you do. I enjoy folk. I, I enjoy, I mean, I love Simon and Garfunkel. Um, you know, I, I enjoy all that, but I lean towards the heavy. Now, country music is kind of like mosquito repellent to me. I'm like, no, I, I don't like country. What is it that makes people gravitate towards a particular type of music? Which do you like, Nike or Adidas? You know, it, it really just becomes personal preference. Although I think there are, factors that influence that certainly i think the culture that you're brought up in um i i believe that you know the environment that you are raised in often influences those those likes and dislikes okay. um, sometimes we also have associations just like i said earlier we sometimes have really positive associations to particular types of music um, but we can also have very negative um, associations with with certain types of music. Um, so it really just depends on the person. However, as a, as a music therapist, we are often encouraged to use music from people's prime. And what I mean by that is like from their teens to early 20s is usually referred to as our prime. Okay. I don't know about you, but I'm still in my prime. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I am. I am kicking in my prime right now. I mean, this is this is the best um, ever. But in that prime time of your life, uh, your the music that you have gravitated to the most is often most effective later. So, with somebody who is geriatric now, let's say um, 70s and up you know, we would want to look at music from about 50 years ago. Music that was popular at that time, pop, rock, country, bluegrass, wh whatever, whatever was popular at that time to, to use to help bring back some memories of, of things that were happening at, at that period in their lives. So, so you know, in, in this and what I'm picking up on memories, good memories 
are very powerful in the healing process. Is that a fair statement to make? Absolutely. Yes. How does does nostalgia fit into that in any way? Nostalgic feelings. Um, does that help with the healing process or does it kind of damage the healing process? Cause nostalgia can go one or two ways. Right. Well, just like I was saying, it, it can be positive or negative, you know, if, um, and just the thing that's coming to mind right now is that, you know, if someone, God forbid, were raped and a particular song was playing at the time, then obviously you would have a very negative connotation or negative association with that music, whether that particular song or that artist or that that style of music, then that could bring back some really negative memories or somebody with PTSD who had gone off to uh, war and battle and had been injured in, in the process, you know, while listening to a particular song, then that, mm. that song may trigger some negative responses in them when, they, when they hear it again. Okay. But, you know, if you've got positive responses or associations with music, then obviously that's going to help, um, heal and, and bring a, a sense of peace and comfort to you so okay okay yeah that that makes sense uh, you know it's it's interesting because deb and i we were watching we had mtv rewind on and they were playing some 90s stuff Come on. and yep the 90s to me i remember my knob year at the citadel as a freshman cadet um we won't go into the details of all of that but you know i heard you know, some of the songs one of the songs that they were playing was one that was very big at the end of my knob year when it was all said and done and it brought back good memories, you know? And I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. You know, that reminds me of my knob year and getting done with being a, a knob at the Citadel. A knob is a plebe um, at a military school uh, in South Carolina. So, you know, there were some positives. So I can, I can see what you're saying with that. Um, you know, something else too, you know, a lot of times when I first heard the term music therapy years ago, I thought, well, okay, that's where you just use happy music to make people feel happy. Um, you know, Kenny G, some, something like that to, to do that. But I don't think that's necessarily the case from what I'm hearing from you and from what I experienced myself during my healing process. Um, I was very, I was drawn, now I'm going to use the term as a form of art um, towards more gothic, more romantic type music, a little bit darker because the experience I had gone through was, pretty dark and went through a divorce at the same time too. Um, how does darker, um, sadder music fit into the process? Is that a cathartic thing that's going on or what have you experienced with that? Sometimes it is. And as, as a music therapist, when we first interview a client, we do an assessment. And part of that entails, what are your music preferences? What are you know, types of music or artists that you're inclined to listen to, that you enjoy, that, um, that bring um, positive, positive responses from you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then we do our best to employ those kinds of music as long as it's appropriate to the setting and the, the age, right. age of the client. Um, so I have had clients in the past where, singing a song that I thought was upbeat and happy and joyful actually brought them to tears 
And it wasn't because mm. I was a terrible singer, but it was because they had some sort of negative association with that, that particular piece of music. Um, and conversely, I think that can apply as well, where you've, you've got some, maybe some positive um, connections with some darker, more uh, minor feel right. of your music that, that just really speaks to you. Yeah. So um, we have to hold things open-handedly. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. because I like a particular type of music doesn't mean that's going to be what works for you. Right. And um, what may work in a group setting for most of the people may not be appropriate for a particular, a, a, an individual client in, 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 in a one-to-one setting. Right. You know, and I'm, I'm putting this together a little bit. I'm understanding myself a whole lot differently. Some of the music that moved me the most when I was growing up, and I look forward to it every year, was the traditional Christmas music. Now, I'm not talking about pretty paper and pretty ribbons. I'm talking about the hardcore stuff that was about Jesus, the whole thing, what Christmas was about. I didn't like the other stuff. I still really don't. You know, White Christmas, and that's that, that's pretty cool. But I like the, the church, the old hymns, and all of those pretty much were written in E minor um, from the research that I've done. And I look at a lot of the heavier, harder music and the key that it's written in is the same key. It's E minor. So there's something about me with E minor that I've, that I've noticed and um, just the orchestration and, you know, the choirs and yes, I listen to harder, heavier music that has choirs in it as well. And it takes me back, I think to that love of, you know, there's, there's, there's a certain connection there. Um, we've talked about the science a little bit here. What's the biblical basis for this? Because I'm sure there's somebody that's still out there saying, ah, this is just all emotion, you know? Where in the Bible can we find anything about music therapy? Um, you mentioned earlier, you were asking about, okay, us as a body, soul, and spirit. You know, Thessalonians, I think, says that we are that three-part being, right? Um, the scripture that came to mind earlier was Mary's Magnificat. Right. Mary sings this song when she goes to see Elizabeth and 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 she hears that that she is going to have a child. And it's going to be the savior of the world. And she sings this beautiful song. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Oh, wow. You know, it is all of that. You know, she's responding in her body, but she's also including her spirit and her soul in that as she is spouting out praise to God. Um, now we don't know what the melody was. We don't know what key that was in, but, um, but we know she was praising God in what is referred to as Mary's song. Um, you can go back way further than that. Look at David and Saul, you know, Saul was uh, tormented by an evil spirit. Right. And and someone suggested, you know, Lord, can we can we bring you a someone who is skilled on a harp on a lyre to to play for you? And they identified David as that man, you know, and David had been out in the field for years singing to the sheep. Right. <laughs> flowers and, and well, I mean, in composing songs to God, obviously it was his heart to worship God, regardless of where he was. 
But, um, you know, he'd been practicing doing some shed time, we'll call it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, out in the field. And, you know, when he, the scripture said, and I looked that up as well. um, I think it was Samuel. Where did I write? Yes, 1 Samuel 16, David played for Saul. And, and as David plays, that spirit would leave him. Yeah. And, and yeah. he would find a place of calm and normalcy again. Um, and it wasn't just a one-time deal. Apparently, he said, David, you need to come on staff so that whenever I am vexed by this <laughs> spirit, you know, there were no iPods. There were no uh, no. Back then, there were no stereo systems, so you had to have live music, right? Yeah. You had to have a live musician in the room if you if you wanted that. Yeah, they didn't even have eight track back then. My goodness, I know. there was no vinyl. <laughs> yeah, I found a couple quotes, uh, and I put one of them at the beginning of tonight's edition from from Martin Luther, uh, who was a very gifted musician. Uh, as well as a very key uh, player in the Protestant Reformation and uh, kind of bringing everything right back around to Scripture. And and I know there's a lot about his personality and things that he did. He was a man just like we are. Um, He was flawed, but God did use him. And uh, at the beginning of the edition tonight, I put up the quote, My heart, which is so full to overflowing, has often been solaced and refreshed by music when sick and weary. That's the quote from Martin Luther. Mm-hmm. Another one that I found that that's absolutely mind-blowing. And you have to understand that Martin Luther, um, he dealt with digestive issues. Um, he had a lot of anxiety. Um, uh, I read a biography written about him uh, many years ago, one of the most fascinating books that I've, that I've ever read. His anxiety was so bad that he was known for Okay, people, he was known for excessive flatulence. Okay, this is in the biography. That's how bad the anxiety was for him. So when he talks about feeling sick and feeling vexed, that was something that he really felt. Uh, Just imagine what he went through in the time that he was living in. That was stressful times. But he also wrote this. He wrote, beautiful music is the art of the prophets that can calm the agitations of the soul. It is one of the most magnificent and delightful presents God has given us. I love that quote. It's a gift, you know, and it's a, it's the art of the prophets. And there's such a correlation between um, prophecy and music. And that's something we could do a whole separate edition on. And we've touched upon a little bit here on Raven's heart in the past. Well, and I want to talk about this a little bit more before we talk about your music in particular, you were just talking about how this music of David affected Saul because it affected the spiritual realm that was vexing Saul. What insights do you have on how music affects the angelic as well as the demonic? And what role does that play in music therapy? And I know that's a tough question. <laughs> um. We're, the scripture says that we are, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? But we, we wrestle against um, principalities and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That, that is, that is our 
battle. It's not against flesh and blood. It's not against other mm. people. Um, and it also says that we have divine power. We have um, weapons that are not carnal, right? Yes, but that's right. Through God to pulling down strongholds. Um, so we have weapons in our prayers, in our in our music, in our praise of God, in declaring his word. That's our sword of the spirit, right? That's right. Yeah. That the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, take it up. Um, that that is how we can do battle, how we can engage in in spiritual battle. We can declare over ourselves, this is who I am in Christ. Let me remind myself, yes. right? Mm -hmm. Let me remind others who you are in Christ, in, in our music. Or let me, um, I'm, I'm just going to go totally vertical and praise the Lord with everything within me. And guess what? He's going to come in and fight my battles for me. I'm just going to keep my eyes focused on him. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on you. Right. And if so, we're using our using music or worship to keep our minds fixed on him, steadfast on him, then. Then we don't even have to fight the battle. Right. That's um, right. Yeah. It's in Chronicles where um, they seek the Lord about how to how do we address this battle? Yes. Lord, yes. You know, all people are coming against us. And, and what do we do? We, we set our faces to seek you, Lord, for what you want to do. Um, and, okay, so here's the strategy. Go out and sing. <laughs> Send a choir to this end of the, the town. Send a choir to this end of the town. And y'all going to sing this. Here's your chorus. You ready? He's good. His love endures forever. <laughs> up in song, all right? And, and they didn't even have to fight the battle. They yeah. just kept their, their eyes fixed on the Lord and he caused those, their enemies to fight against themselves and completely destroy each other. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. What a picture for us. If, yes. if we can keep our minds focused on, on him, know that he will fight the battles for us. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves of who he is. Yes. Um, we are reminding ourselves this is who my god is this is who you are lord so i call on that power so we can certainly engage him now conversely or um there's there's some indication that lucifer as an angel right before he was kicked out of heaven yep. uh, some people say that he was the the worship leader in heaven and that his body, his glorified body, made sound as he moved and as he praised God. Um, then he became proud, right? And he said, I'll be like the most high. And he was cast out of heaven along with a third of the angels. So if, if he, when he moves, makes sound and music that used to belong to God, how much do you think he will use that to bring praise to himself? Oh, absolutely. Or to, to bring attention away from God. Yeah. Um, it's absolutely a, 
demonic strategy. Yes. Case in point, Grammys. Mm. Mm -hmm. Case in point, Grammys right there. Um, You know, and the thing is, is all of this music that Satan is perverting, he's perverting it. The music in and of itself is not evil. It's how it's used and how it's perverted. It's like everything else. Satan didn't create a single thing, but he wants us to think that he's like God and that he created it. Um, No, he, he didn't. He didn't create it. He just took it and he perverted it. And that's every genre of music. Um, that includes country music, even though I don't like country music. And I think, (laughs) you know, um, I'm sure that God enjoys country music. You know, that's something that, you know, country music that is reflects the kingdom country music that, you know, I mean, and we have that in some of the gospel music that we have uh, and, and everything like that. So Satan didn't create a single thing. And when I was preparing, the Lord took me to second Chronicles about the ambushments that he set up when Israel praised him. And you said something that's very important. When we decree and declare who God is, not only does it help us, but I really believe that when we do that, when we say, okay, God, you are my provider. God, you are my healer. I think there's something that wells up on the inside of him where it's like, you believe me, you trust me. You don't trust yourself. You don't trust the lies. And it cuts right through those lies. That's That's just my own personal experience. Right. Well, I mean, he searches for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth, according to the spirit and by the word, the truth, right? Thy word is truth. So, If we worship him with the word, we're coming into agreement. We're coming into alignment with what he has already said about himself or what he's already said about us. Right. And that keeps us from believing the lies that the enemy would tout about who we are. You're not really worth it or nobody really cares about you. And why don't you just, you know, fill in the blanks? Right. Uh, you know, we stop believing those lies and reminds, remind ourselves about the truth of who we are and who our God is. And that's a powerful weapon. Yes. That's a powerful it is. weapon. It is. And I just want to say this to anybody who may be watching or listening right now or on the replay. There is no such thing as a worthless person. Amen. We're all created. We're all created in the image of God. And even though you may feel worthless, God sees worth in you because you 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 bear his image that's why the um punishment for murder why murder is such a big deal in god's heart it always has been because you are desecrating an image of god that's not to say that we are gods i'm not saying that but we are created in the image of god um we are something that even perplexes the spiritual realm We, we perplex the angels and that's why demons and devils hate us so much because we have a special place. And that's why they try to keep us down. Hey, look at this. We've got Teresa. I brought this up. Teresa Kendall, thank you for joining us. She says, loving this as my son has special abilities and received music therapy in the NICU and later with private services. I have seen it work firsthand, allowing him to meet his goals. Awesome. That is awesome. There it is. Testimony right there about what we're talking about, um, that it helped a, a young boy. Um, her son. And this is real. What we're talking about here is real stuff. Music therapy is real. Jesus is real. And the way that Jesus uses music, it is real. We can find it in, 
we can find it in, in the scriptures. Now, right. you, that he sings over us. Yes. Lord, I want to hear that song. I want to hear the song that you are singing over me. Yes. He sings over us. Yeah. And I, I find it interesting how in a lot of, um, so there are several church movements where they make this big deal about the evils of music, even praise music. I mean, they go off the rails on it. Uh, and to me, that's a religious spirit, because when you read in Zephaniah that the Lord himself sings over us, um, you're going to have a real rough time when you meet him and he's singing over you. <laughs> Brenda, Brenda Abrams says, love you, Mary, and speaking truth about how deep music runs. Thank you, Brenda, for joining us this evening. And hey, if this is your first time watching Raven's Heart, we, we do a lot of cool stuff here on Raven's Heart. We're on every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Go ahead. If you're on YouTube, go ahead and hit the like button, subscribe, ring the bell. And what that does is that helps us get the word out and the truth out to more people to to get music like we're going to listen to about Mary out to more people. Uh, because all the stuff that you see that is like the stuff that's in your face, okay, it's there for a reason, all right? It's not necessarily because the truth is being preached, and it's not necessarily because it's the Spirit of God. It's what the Prince of this air wants you to see and what you want you, wants you to hear. So the stuff that's kind of at the undercurrent, like Raven's Heart and things that Mary are doing, well, God's getting ready to exalt those things and promote those things. And that's one of the things that I enjoy about this is we work with a lot of artists who are on the cusp and man, they are better than anything that I I've heard on, on the radio in a lot of instances. Um, Catherine says, Mary, I love you. Love your heart for worship singing over Saul with the heart of David and a smiley face. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us now, Mary. You are a singer-songwriter yourself. You lead in worship. Um, how does that complement being a music therapist? How does this all tie together for you? Um, as a music therapist, I have had to invent lots of songs. <laughs> um, <laughs> blessed are the flexible. We shall not be bent out of shape. Right. Um, <laughs> And sometimes in, in a moment, in a session, you've got to be spontaneous and improvise, write a song on the spot. Um, and that, uh, of course, I, I received some training in my, in my musical career. So I was a music therapy major. I went to school at East Carolina University. And so I was a music major. Voice was my main instrument, but I also had to learn how to be functional accompanying myself on guitar and on, um, on piano, um, or keyboard, um, took some percussion classes and some strings classes and things like that. But so all of that, as well as music theory, um, sight singing, all of that training has helped equip me to, to write some of my own music, um, whether it is for a, music therapy session or for the Lord and for a corporate worship session. <laughs> so they, they both tie in together. Um, there's, they, they complement one another. I'm not currently practicing as, as a music therapist. I am based in East Tennessee and this is a difficult area. Really not a lot of people are familiar with music therapy in this area um, as they were 
when I was in San Antonio, Texas. Okay. Now, you guys are in a great uh, place as Charleston Southern has a music therapy program. Okay. Um, yeah. My sister went to the School of Music there, and so she she knew lots of people who were music therapy majors. And because of that, because that university exists there and they have a program, then they also have practical practicum um, experiences for their students to engage in in the area at local hospitals, at um, at nursing homes and rehab centers in, in local schools and things like that. So that the students from that program can go out and get that practical experience prior to the end of their right. education. So. So you've had to improvise a lot on the fly with oh, yes. uh, <laughs> Semper Gumby in the midst of worship as well, you know, Absolutely. Always flexible, just like Gumby is. Um, it, it works really good. You've been spending a lot of time in the studio lately, too. And, uh, you know, for those of the, you that are uh, watching and listening tonight, um, you know, I found out about Mary, I think it was about three or four weeks ago when my wife brought home a CD. They, they both met at a retreat a few weeks ago. And my wife was like, take a listen to this. She's a music therapist. I was like, okay, I put it in and I fell in love with it. I was like, this is good. This is good stuff. And um, we got Daniel and Kim Thompson. They say, love what you do and how my little guy was able to express his heart today in his music, his improvisation, in his music lesson today. That's awesome. Thank you. That is that is awesome. And thank you. Thank you, Daniel and Kim, for watching us on Raven's Heart this evening. But you've been in the studio working on a new project. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, last year, I went into the studio and I just decided it was time to birth some new songs. And so I recorded four tunes last year. And this year, at the beginning of the year, I wanted to go and add a few more to it. Well, I ended up adding seven more. So we're going to have 11, <laughs> 11 tracks on this new album. And I say new because it's, it's a new baby. It's like, I've been pregnant for 12 years with this, this child in gestation. Um, some of the songs were written 10 years ago and some of them were written two months ago. Um, and really my friend Shelby asked me the other day, she was like, what's your elevator pitch for this album? And I was like, Ooh, I don't know. And I thought about it and I said, really, it is like a 12 year dialogue between me and the Lord. Wow. And some of it is him speaking over me. Some of it is me crying out to him. Some of it is um, me as part of the body of Christ, declaring things over the atmosphere, over the region. Um, so it's, it's an in-depth dialogue of my heart and, and the conversation with the Lord. Wow. Wow. And we're going to um, give people a preview of a track entitled Here Clearly, and it's going to be on this new um, release that's coming out, correct? Yes. What is here clearly? What is the message that you want people to get from this track entitled Here Clearly? Clearly. <laughs> this one was birthed out of really um, a former pastor that I was serving under would often pray, Lord, let us hear clearly and obey you quickly. 
And I was like, oh, that needs to be a song. <laughs> if it's not already, it needs to be a song. So the Lord gave me um, the tune and, and the words. You know, in Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, it says to the people ever hearing but never understanding. Um, to those who are ever seeing but never perceiving. And God forbid that we should be those people. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to be those that just see things going on in the world around me, but don't, don't see the spiritual side. Um, and I don't want to be one that constantly sits in church and hears the word of God, but I don't ever apply it to my life. Right. You know, um, in Matthew 13, that scripture comes up again and he talks about people with calloused hearts. I don't want to be the one with a calloused heart. So Lord, if there's any rough places, please make those plain, you know, and, and soften those up. Um, I want, it says the, the lyrics of the song, it, it's a really simple tune. Um, give me eyes to see, give me ears to hear and a heart that longs to obey you. And then let me hear clearly, Lord, let me obey quickly, God, so that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. Yes. And just echoing part of the Lord's prayer, Lord, I, I want to do your will on the earth, just as the angels rush off to do your bidding in the heavens. So that's where the song comes from. That's beautiful. We're going to play that. And uh, Deb says, Arise Carolina was the women's retreat that she met Mary at. It was awesome coming back next year too. So yeah, I heard that was a, I heard that was a really good time while I was here at home with the dog. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, this is here clearly by Mary Gambo. And I'm going to try some more of those chips with that hot sauce while we listen to this.
That is absolutely beautiful. Such a powerful message. So simply put to beautiful music. Uh, Teresa says, so beauty, I'm beautiful, uh, auto, auto spell and all that. The AI is just a horrible tool. And then Catherine says, yes, eyes and ears to hear and see. And that was here clearly by Mary Gambo, who's on with us this evening. You know, before we close out, I want to dive into this a little bit more because I, I really believe we're living in a time where our ears need to be so in tune with the spirit that we can obey quickly, that we do that, that we don't miss what God's saying. And in some instances, it probably could you know, be the difference between life and death. What are some of the things that block people from hearing God clearly and obeying him? Distractions. <laughs> what is it that blocks our communication in general? Often it's distractions, miscommunications, you know, things that um, take our attention away, away from him. Um, again, we're living in a culture that's inundated with sound. And so many people, whether they need sound to sleep or sound while they're studying or sound while they're showering or, you know, I mean, there's, we're so saturated sound um, wise that it's difficult for some people to be in quiet, mm. you know, and, and some people hear the Lord speak loudly in volumes when there's noise going on, when there's, you know, kind of white noise happening um, or when they're mowing the lawn, you know, um, they, they hear the Lord speak in those moments, but often, you know, I, I have to get to a place where I'm just quiet and, and still before him to hear what he's saying, you know, and yeah. sometimes he speaks to me in my sleep because that way my conscious is out of the way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dreams or, or hear scriptures as I'm kind of in that sleeping, waking moment, uh, you know, that place that seems to, I hear him most clearly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's when he overrides our, our, our brain, <laughs> which we do a little too much thinking sometimes. And Frank, uh, Frankie says, wow, what an amazing message that song has. And when will this new album be out? When can we expect it? We should have it out and published, hopefully, discs in hand, physical copies by April 10th. So um, headed to do some ministry in Texas on April 10th and want to have that in hand ready to go. So it will it will also be available on the new website, which is music.com. So we will have we will have tracks available there for download as well. Excellent. And that's marygamboamusic.com. And everybody that's watching, whether it be on Facebook or on YouTube right now, if you go down on YouTube to the description, you will see that the link for Mary's website is there. And if you want to donate to Mary's ministry, we put a donation link there as well. And on Facebook, it's the opposite. It's a, probably above my head somewhere. Um, you'll see the link for uh, Mary's website where you can keep track of what she's doing and get the music. And if you desire to donate as well to her ministry, a very worthwhile cause, things cost money to do. 
and it's not getting, it's getting more and more expensive every day to get to do things. So, you know, she needs the resources. So go ahead and donate if you, if you feel so led by the Lord to do so. Mary, do you have anything else that you would like to share with us this evening before we, before we close out? You know, you mentioned in, um, in your outline, just what can we do to hear the Lord more clearly? Um, read his word on a daily basis, not just once a week. You're not going to survive on a crust of bread once a week. Even if you're there on a weekly basis, that's not going to sustain you. You know, reading his word on a regular basis, having trusted believers in your life that can speak into into your life, that can counsel you, um, and then spend time set apart to just sit and be still be still and know that he is God listening mm-hmm. at his feet for what he desires to do. You, you also asked in some of the, the questions about what is the importance of being obedient? Yeah. Yeah. Why is that important? Any of us who have children know the frustration when, when we give our children a directive and they completely ignore us or they absolutely rebel and do the opposite. You know, we've experienced that frustration in the natural. How much more our Heavenly Father? But praise God for his grace. However, I was, uh, the scripture that came to mind was Jonah. You know, Jonah heard the voice of the Lord. He heard the direction of God and he totally ignored it and went the opposite direction because he (laughs) had something against the Ninevites. And he didn't, he didn't want to go. He didn't want to see God pour out his mercy and, and his compassion on them. Yet... Once God did a little attitude adjustment and he spent a few days in the belly of a fish, um, you know, once he got out of that situation, he said, okay, okay, I'll go. Right. Then he walked in obedience. And what happened? An entire city repented and changed. What if your one act of obedience, your one little yes, what if that was tied to an entire city's repentance? Wow. Yeah. What if an entire people group is waiting for you to speak truth to them? To witness to the the reality of our God. And here's the consequences if you don't, if you don't change, if you don't repent. And, and, you know, we have scriptural record that that entire city repented and, and even the pets. Even the pets and animals repented. It's in the scripture. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just just the heart, how hard it was for Jonah to obey that, yeah, the Ninevites are bad people. Okay, we, we get that. But they were really bad people. If you read the historical accounts of what they were like, um, they made ISIS look like the Boy Scouts. I mean, that's <laughs> that's how that's how bad they were. And um you know, to go and do that, that point of obedience and doing that. And some of you that are watching us and listening, you may have been called to a tough area to go share the gospel, a place that you don't want to go, a place that you might not agree with. I mean, how much have we done that as the church, ignoring those, the Ninevites, the places that we don't want to go because we don't like them, but God is telling us that's where you need to go. Right. Whether it's the homeless or the poor or the drug addict or the prostitutes or whoever it is that he wants to love on. He wants to pour out his compassion and his mercy on them. And 
we're not willing to walk in obedience to that. So Lord, help me, help yes. me to hear, <laughs> hear clearly and walk in obedience quickly. Yes. And Jennifer gives three hearts to that, Mary, three hearts to, to what you're sharing there. And here's the thing is God wants to bless you. Okay. I'm not talking about a new Lexus going to be out in your driveway uh, through your obedience. Uh, he wants to bless you. He wants to lead you to the, to your promised land, um, the land of Canaan. And that's not easy obeying going to do that. We've got into this easy Western Christianity where I go to church on Sunday, I do a few things and then God, okay, bless me while I'm living my life. No, I'm sorry. You got to put your life down and pick up the life, your cross that he wants you to bear and that he wants you to carry. And that's when you will begin to walk in the blessing of the Lord. And a lot of that will be an increase of souls seeing people brought to the kingdom and he will provide you with the resources that you need to do that job that he's called you to, to that assignment. But before you get into the promised land and you can see the increase of the land, you got to see the giants go and you can't be afraid of the giants and the cannibals that are hanging out there. You've got to go and you've got to be obedient and you have to do it. It's hard. Our right. flesh doesn't like it. Our, our flesh does not like it. And it does not look what obedience look like looks like in the human is totally different than what it looks like in the spirit. In the spirit, it's it's you moving into that area of blessing. But when you look at it through the eyes of the flesh and the hardened heart, it's like, no, that ain't gonna work. That that's that that can't be possible. It's whatever filter that you look at it through. And it's so important to look at things through God's filter with the eyes to see what you're talking about in your song um, that we just listened to. Give me eyes to see, not what we see in our flesh, but what we see by his spirit and from his filter. Right. And and be obedient with what he's placed in your hands, the talents, the abilities, the skills, the anointings that he's given you they're there for a reason. They're there for a purpose. And in, in the grand scheme of things, this album may not be huge. It may not be groundbreaking in the kingdom. I hope that it is. But I hope that my act of obedience, just saying, okay, Lord, I know that this music wasn't just for me. It was for, it's for somebody else. It's to encourage somebody else's heart is to provoke someone else to get intimate with the Lord. I have in the past um, with past musical endeavors, you know, recorded albums and people sent us emails saying the Lord broke me out of a 12 year depression while I was listening to your music. You know, somebody else saying they got physically healed while they were listening to music that we had produced. And if we had said no, you know, where would those people be? Yes. I mean, could God use something or someone else? Absolutely. But we got to be part of that and the joy of, of being able to cooperate with him so that what he desires, my friend Bill Ward used to say, Lord, help me to cooperate with you so that what you desire comes to pass in me, through me, by your spirit. Let me just cooperate with whatever you want to do. Yeah. yeah. And Mary, you said something earlier, and this is this is awesome. We're just going to keep going until the uh, as the spirit continues to lead. You were talking about David earlier before he was called in to play his heart for Saul, for Saul's healing. Uh, before David did that, he wasn't playing in front of kings. He wasn't playing in front of crowds of thousands or even hundreds, he was playing for sheep. He was playing unto the Lord to sheep. 
and he was being faithful with that gift that God gave him. He was perform. He was basically uh, building stage without an audience. Uh, is, is what David was doing. And anybody who's been called to ministry, that is what you're going to be doing before God releases you into the fullness of what you have been called to, because he wants to see if you're going to be faithful and a good steward of it. Like Mary was just saying, what are you doing with those talents? You know, how, how is, are you using that? Are you burying it? Are you being disobedient? And in, in that parable of the talents, um, you know, the one that buried the talent uh, when the master came back, those were not nice things that the master said to the one that buried the talent. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I understand you. You know, you were a little, you know, you're busy. I get it. Yeah, it was hard. No, he took the talent away from him. And it's like it, for you, dude, you know, outer darkness, you know, weeping and gnashing of teeth. And, you know, that's that that's a complex statement right there. But it's it's harsh. You know, Jesus wants you to use that. God wants you to use the talents he put in you because he created you. We talked about this earlier. He created you in his image for a purpose on this earth. And that is to reflect his image and all of the gifts that God's put inside of each one of us are a reflection of him Amen. when it's being done by his spirit. And that's why we have such a heart for people that are in the music industry, that are in music, that are, you know, doing it for the world system, being motivated by the darker uh, forces that are doing it for out of narcissism and self. There are gifts in there and it's our desire to see those gifts turned around and restored back unto the Lord Come on. because you want to know where our next generation of prophets is. They're at the heavy metal concert on stage screaming about the realities of life. Okay. That's where the, the, the next generation of prophets are the ones that have the passion that are open to the spirit. And there's such a prophetic gifting that's mm -hmm. there that's being perverted. And that's why the devil has such a toehold on that community. Right. Yeah. Well, you got me on my soapbox. Either that or it was, man, I got I tell you what, this um, death, death by, the, the death by chocolate. Woo, I love it. I'm sitting here sweating. <laughs> good music, good hot sauce, good conversation, breaking the word. I mean, this is this is what it's all about. Mary, we are gonna close out. Thank you so much for joining us. If you could just hold on for a moment, I've got a few last announcements to make here. Um, first of all, I'm going to add this, this, look at that technology. There's Mary and I over to the side, uh, for those of you that are watching, those that are listening, you can visualize it. Yes, we are going to be at the raw RA coffee company on Saturday, April 15th from 8am till, and we are going to be selling tickets. It's going to be a two for one deal. You're going to get, be able to get two tickets for $10 for get revelation rock fest. Now, why is this a big deal? This is a big deal because when we went back in February, we had no idea what was going to happen. And um, Ziggy, our friend Ziggy and Will from Suffering Gift came out and they did music to glorify Jesus outside the coffee shop. And as that was going on, we had prayer going on. We had prayers for healing going on. We had people coming up that we didn't even know who they were that had just gotten some good coffee. It turned into a prayer fest at the coffee shop. And it was just revival, a mini revival breaking out there at the coffee shop. And here's what happened as we were obedient. Mary, you're going to like this. As we were obedient to go out and sell tickets, I had no idea what was going to happen. I was tired. I really didn't even feel like doing it, but I know that 
when I'm tired and I don't feel like doing it, I probably should do it. Uh, we sold out of the tickets that we had there on site for that day. Awesome. Sold out. And on top of that, it was a record Saturday for sales at the coffee shop that hosted us. Praise the Lord. They were blessed. We were blessed. And those who came out. So if you want to come out, um, Raw Coffee Shop um, on the 15th of April, that's Saturday, 8 a.m. till we're going to go in, until the Spirit says, okay, we're done here today. That's at 110 South Goose Creek Boulevard. Um, come on out if you need prayer. Come on out if you are hurting. Um, we're going to be ministering out there. We're not just selling tickets. We're ministering. And I got to tell you what, the coffee at this coffee shop is absolutely amazing. And they've been a big supporter of Get Revelation Rock Fest for the past three years. So come on out and see us. And one last admin announcement I need to make. Yes, we are in season five. Wow. Actually, no, it's season six of, of Raven's Heart right now. And um, as you know, as we get closer to Rock Fest and we hit April, we have to take a break. And we're going to be doing that. This is our last edition until um, we come back later in the summer. And the reason why we do that is our staff is not very large. There's just a few of us. It's, it's not a big staff. And when you look at putting on a music festival with eight bands um, and a lot of people coming and all of these vendors and all the things that go into it, uh, we have to take the weeks prior to that to make sure that everything we do is done with excellence to glorify the Lord. And the reason why we're doing this, it's not just to go out and rock out and have a good time, which does happen. But we're building a stage for Jesus. And every one of these bands that's going to be on stage, including the headline band, Ignescent, their heart is to glorify Jesus and see people saved. I have talked to every band, every band um, leader that we have. Um, the prayers that we've been having, the prayer meetings that we've been having have been absolutely amazing. God's got a lot in store this year in Charleston for Get Revelation Rock Fest. And I'm not just saying that to hype it up. Um, I'm saying it because we're hearing things and we're being obedient to things that um, it's, it's going to be something else. God's, re, God's desiring revival in this city. And what we're doing is we're doing two things. We're actually doing th three things. First thing we're doing is we're breaking the religious spirit in the city of Charleston. Okay. When you put on a festival like this with, with heavier music, all different types of um, Christian rock music, you're breaking the religious spirit. That needs to be broken. The second thing that we're doing is we're reclaiming the things that Mary and I were talking about tonight, especially um, about music being stolen. Okay. These, the music has been stolen by the enemy and we're taking it back and we're reclaiming the mountain of arts and entertainment, Come okay? on. especially in music. That's, that's what we're doing. We are saying, Satan, you have to leave. All right. The gates of hell will no longer prevail against arts and entertainment. It is going to be used to glorify the Lord. And those that are that are lost, that are searching, that are in the industry, that are producing wonderful music because of the gifts that they have, but it's just the antenna's bent in the wrong direction. Our heart is for you. And that's why we're doing this. The other thing is there are hurting people in Charleston. Okay. Charleston's a great tourist uh, city. It's it's awesome. Um, there's a lot of cool things here, but there's hurting people in this city, people that need to hear the gospel. And you know what? Pastor, if you're watching, more than likely they are not going to come to your church. I can tell you that right now. They are probably not going to come. Um, that's just the way that it is. Um, Jesus did not say build a church and they will come. Jesus said, go ye, go out into the harvest fields. 
go and get them. And that's what we're doing at Rockfest. We are going out into the harvest fields. We've said this for the past three years. Rockfest is where the church leaves the building. And that's exactly what we need to do. And you know what? If you're a pastor in Charleston, I want to talk to you right now. And I'm going to be just straight out honest with you. We want you to come out and help support Get Revelation Rockfest. Okay. This is not about Lithos Cry. It's not about one particular church. It's about the body of Christ. It's about the bride of Christ in Charleston, South Carolina, building a stage for its Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I don't care if you don't agree with rock and roll music. I, I don't care. Okay. We need to put our differences aside in this city. We need to get off of our religious high horses and forget about that stuff. And we need to do what the master wants us to do. And that's to reach out to the lost. Go out and get them. And you know what? This is, I'm not saying this. We know this. This is the only show in town where the church is leaving the building and going out and doing something at, at this level scale. And we want you to be there. We want you to co-labor with us. And you know what? We've been praying for laborers for Get Revelation Rock Fest 2023. We need laborers. And you know what? If you come out and labor, I can guarantee you there is something. There's going to be enough bread in the basket and enough fish to feed everybody. There is something for you out there. So we need to get aside. We need to put aside the uh, religious differences. Okay, whether or not we speak in tongues or don't speak in tongues, whether or not it's a pre-trib or post-trib rapture, we need to get off of that. Okay, and focus on the gospel and focus on the loss. That's what we need to do here in Charleston. We need to put that aside. We need to put the racism aside too in this city. We need to get that out of here. It needs to go in Jesus' name, and that's what we're going to see at Get Revelation Rock Fest. I want to, see, you know, it's the Lord's desire to see all sorts of people from all sorts of life walks of life there to minister to the weary and to the hurting. And we're going to go out and we are going to reap together in the harvest fields. Boy, Mary, this hot sauce. <laughs> I was not expecting to do that. <laughs> but that's what it's about here in Charleston. And, you know, I am so excited that we had the opportunity for the last edition of this season. Again, don't, don't worry. We're going to be back in the summer. Uh, we'll be back in the summer. We just need to focus on, uh, on rock fest right now and ministering to the loss. It's one thing for me to sit up here in the studio and do this. And yes, we are reaching people, but really where the rubber meets the road is where you go out and get your hands dirty. And I love getting my hands dirty. Go and make disciples. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Mary, thank you so much for joining us. And until uh, the summertime, everybody will see you at the Raw Coffee Shop. We'll see you at Get Revelation Rock Fest. Until then, peace out and rock on. Lithoscry.com. <laughs>